Good afternoon, everyone. I always do that. Look, I've got the little frame. It's taking some of my sparks off. There we go. Hope everyone can hear me okay. You know how paranoid I get about this stuff, so do give us a give us a thumbs up on the on the chat if you can hear okay wherever it is you listen to it. I'm Jack Chew, 12.30 to 1 o'clock on weekdays. We chew it over and we talk about all things topical in the world, usually of MSK and the things that uh, I'm most interested in, but also where that sometimes intersects with current affairs and whatever else is going on in the world. On at least our Wednesday, I usually say it's like, First Wednesday of the month, last Wednesday of the month. Our Wednesday of the month, me and my friend Joe Turner do a well-being Wednesday. We try to time it for what is appropriate, and it's certainly appropriate today because we're two days away from Therapy Live, and she's got lots of stuff that she's doing on the show, as well as lots of reflections she's been sharing with us about what that means um, and how that can sometimes affect people's well-being in positive and of course, compromising ways sometimes. So hopefully with the click of a couple of buttons. Annoyingly though, the chat the chat function seems to be playing up a little bit, which it did to me last week at one point and um, it didn't sort itself. So I'm a bit nervous of that. But what I will promise is if that doesn't come online uh, and you guys are participating, I will be scurrying along on my phone and checking uh, where else you might be commenting because if there's a guest on, then I should be talking far less, them's the rules. So hopefully I can click and Joe can join me. Joe, can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. Lovely. Well, I don't know if you just heard him, but the, the chat function seems to be just sort of booting up. Um, yeah. Or it might be that you can see it and I can't. And, and No, I can't, well, I can't see any comments. Nothing yet. No. So not to worry. We'll, 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 we'll crack on. Um, so tell Fog a little bit about what you've, what you've got in store because you obviously, you know, one of the first people to, to know where we're doing it, know the dates of it, start to help us build and promote some content for it. But almost top of the team sheet, really, it was like some of the sessions that we wanted to do were because of the hunger that had come out of, especially the last show, like lots of things. And, and also some of these Wellbeing Wednesdays as well. Like, So mm. what are the themes you've picked up on and what you're going to be talking about? Well, my keynote is um, imposter syndrome, which... Um, we have talked about a lot on this program and I've done a whole podcast on it and had lots of conversations off these platforms as well. Um, and unsurprisingly, that that phrase is like a touch paper. You know, people are starting to understand um, what it is and want to talk about it. Uh, but specifically for this keynote, I think it might have been your reflection, Jack, to look at how it potentially affects your relationship with your patients. So I've kind of taken that theme. Um, but expanded on it a little bit because I think imposter syndrome, it does a lot of things to us. I think it keeps us small, it keeps us anxious, it keeps us um, conforming, but it also kills relationships. Um, and I won't give the whole talk now, but a lot of the <laughs> subject of the, the session is around, I've called it the invisible wall, because in my mind, it creates this barrier between you and other people. And, you know, when you're, as a, when you're working as a physio, that other person happens to be your patient. But I think imposter syndrome creates a kind of wall or barrier around us um, in all relationships. So I'm going to sort of look at it from those two sides, what it does to you personally and what it does to your relationships. Um, so that's the keynote. I'm also hosting a panel on burnout. So I think burnout is a term that most people probably would have been familiar with before the pandemic, but it's certainly, if, if you've read any uh, news articles or reports around the pandemic, particularly in relation to medics and, and NHS work, then burnout has been mentioned a lot. 
Um, and I, I'm, I'm a bit juries out whether it's a useful phrase or not, um, because I think it's there's a danger it's a bit of a catch-all for lots of things. Right. Um, and it, you could go two ways, either either you know it's quite a strong word and i think some people feel that you know burnout sounds really dramatic and and you know, i'm not properly burnt out that's you know that's literally as the term suggests lying on the floor in a pile of ashes or yes. the opposite that it trivializes it and it misses diagnoses of things like depression and anxiety you know things that really need to be picked up but might be underplayed under the umbrella of burnout so with the panel i'm going to um try and sort of dig into that a little bit um, really to make sure that people are getting the right help that they need and that they're feeling that they can talk about what they're going through because they understand the terms. Um, and then the final panel that I'm a guest on is with Andy Hosgood and Obi Hassan. Um, and I was intrigued to be invited on this one, but really pleased. So this one is under the heading of financial health. And I'm going to come at that one really um, from the paradigm that I believe we grow up in as health professionals, whereas, which I think, I believe, is that we don't actually have much of a relationship with the concept of wealth, certainly in our early days, and at its worst, possibly grow up with a notion that to be interested in wealth is um, something to be frowned upon. Um, I do quite a lot of work in coaching, looking at people's values, and from memory, I can't remember a single health professional that brought up wealth as an important value in their life. And I, I don't know if that's strictly true, whether you know we're motivated by other things and, and wealth just isn't important, or whether it is this um, feeling that we shouldn't be interested in it. But then on the back of that, there's an awful lot of conversation around hourly rates and you know what we're worth and things like that. Um, and then the other side that I want to bring into that is that it I think it fits with well-being. Um, so I think personal value and sense of self-worth has to be there before you can um, really value yourself in wealth and monetary terms. The two things, you know, I don't think one can necessarily happen without the other. So, um, you know, that's definitely Andy and Obi's um, platform in terms of the numbers, the KPIs, the spreadsheets that are not straying into that, that world at all. I'm going to try and back it up with a little bit of the human side of finances. That would be funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, if you surprised everyone by just like, <laughs> here's a spreadsheet. Yes, <laughs> we're going through well, profit and loss. <laughs> it's the same person. Um, but I think just to go, just to double back around on the keynote then, mm. that it, it, it was me that sort of brought forward that at its worst, it's something that therapists that I've worked with that even pointing out the fact that the imposter syndrome that they're facing and this, this sort of um, being sort of intimidated and humbled by this experience in such a way that then it, it, it kind of compresses them, limits them, puts the ceiling too low over their head. When pointing out the fact that that, that isn't then making you the decisive person you need to be sometimes with your patients, but also that then is compromising the care delivery that you hold so dear that you are feeling, you know, that's often where they are feeling more of an expert uh, mm. than, than, than they'll, uh, they would do, say, public speaking. That has tended to be like a penny drop moment for many. And I think it's because it's help, and I'm, I'm excited to see whether you feel it does tend to be a, a side is it a side effect of it is it actually a big key part of it is our public persona that includes patient contact i just i've admittedly 
always seen it as being like here's a here's a consequence of this that you've not thought of whereas you know i wonder whether it's actually all part and parcel of it and uh, and it happens to everyone what is this invisible barrier and although i know you don't want to give the whole talk could you just give us a give me a few clues because i'm intrigued mm, well i think you brought up then uh, i think you said decision making and you know the quality of care that you deliver to the patient i think one of the things imposter syndrome kills dead is imagination and creativity right um because you've got to be flexible and relaxed and coming from a, a place of um sort of personal security i think to be creative and flexible in your treatment protocols and it, you know it's not all that i know that when you're starting out you you really want those protocols and you need that framework to build your confidence but then it's later in your career, um, much later, I hope, that you start to play with things um, and bring yourself into the physio persona. And I think to deprive the patient and your colleagues and our organisations of those sides of you is so sad. Um, I, I've th This phrase has come up while I've been creating these, um, these sessions of conform and perform. So I think if we're coming from a place of imposter syndrome, we start to behave in a conforming way. So um, certainly when I was training, I felt like I received a lot of information about how was a good way to present myself and to behave. And Leanne touched on this beautifully yesterday. Um, yeah. You know, that you, you start to get this sense that there are some, some channels in which it would be best if you stick within. Um, and playing with those can feel quite scary but then ironically, as you say, the, the people that you interact with suffer if you are not allowed to do that, because that's where your real magic and your power comes as a therapist, when you discover the things that you do better than anybody else, not because it's difficult or that you've had to learn it and it's really hard, but because it was always there within you and now you're bringing that out as a kind of top layer to your your treatment and your interact with the, interaction with the patient. So um, I think imposter syndrome uh, definitely i'll cover this in the talk it, it it's basically fear it's a type of fear um elizabeth gilbert has a lovely phrase uh, that it's just fear in high heels and i think when you when you name it as such then you can start to face it because with all fears you know they, they like to be kept in dark places and ignored and allowed to develop into bogeymen it's only when you name them and go okay what is this that i'm looking at start talking about it and that I mean, really that's the whole that's what I'm about with everything let's bring these things these things out in the open let's turn the light on let's talk about them so that we take their power away mm. and then you can start to be braver and and really just be the human that you are absolutely I think that that's such an it's such an interesting phenomena that I think is why it's like the touch paper on conversation people starting to recognize it admit to it in themselves um and we you know we we spoke on this podcast with your, your friend Margaret about that and it was really fascinating and definitely one that will be a continuing theme I can see. Um, the, the next thing then into, into burnout, I worry a little and it sounds like it's something you share about the fact that it misses the burning out. It misses mm -hmm. that, that phase, it misses that process. It, it sort of sometimes it, it implies as well that, that, that that's a fire that'd be hard to put out when really... There are so many different factors affecting it. Do you, because the, the conversation, I noticed that for some reason our chat on Restream isn't working properly, unfortunately, so I can't pull them up. 
but I've noticed one from, have you got some that you can see? But there's one that's there that, from Richard Sutherland that, that speaks to what I wanted to ask really is that it is often this, it's neither either or really, I don't think, but burnout or reduced resilience. So this idea in which when, when done badly, the accusation of reduced resilience means that then it puts too much when we know there are going to be so many systemic factors affecting people that, that aren't controllable mm. and how factors like that to, to accuse someone of reduced resilience when that happens, it, it feels, feels like a bad analysis. But then similarly, we do end up having a degree of resilience that we need to sustain as a means of being able to, you know, interact with society without mm. it squashing us, never mind, uh, a work role of which then is sometimes high pressured. So I just wondered if I could invite your sort of thoughts on on that balance. Yeah, resilience has had such a bad press, hasn't it, in the last few years? And and you're right, used as a criticism and a weapon, particularly at the stage where somebody is potentially burning out, is completely insensitive and the wrong way to approach it. But um, I guess relating a bit to what we were saying about imposter syndrome, to be resilient, you have to be flexible and adaptable, and I wonder whether that's some of what we lose when we start to burn out. So we feel threatened in situations like being in a global pandemic and possibly we default to the safe mechanisms and the, the more rigid way of behaving rather than our usual way of flexing and adapting to changing situations. Um, but you're right that, you know, to say burnout or reduce resilience is relevant, but there are so many other factors. Um, I mean, the, just the definitions of burnout, the, the uh, WHO has one definition, which is just that it's unaddressed workplace stress. But then more commonly, you see this kind of three-tier description these days, which is uh, emotional um, overload, uh, reduced sense or depersonalization, which you could interpret as compassion fatigue, and a reduced sense of your own efficacy. Now, my friend, uh, Susanna Petchy, who's going to be on the panel, she says that actually, um, particularly depersonalization is an absolute critical factor in PTSD and that possibly burnout is a form of PTSD. So there's this whole kind of soup um, and of different almost bits plucked of other conditions and, and you know dumped into this burnout bucket if you like um, and I'm not sure it's helpful and, and you raise a fair point that I'm not sure that burnout picks up the people along the way. Um, my yeah, or at least not every every phase of that because it's so unique and individualized and some people it's quicker sometimes it's what like watching a slow car crash mm. um but it varies doesn't it so much when you were selecting because you you know this is the thing is that there are certain things certainly your keynote where it was just like you know we we need and want joe to, to deliver that whereas with the panel you obviously are invited to have a significant creative control over the the makeup of that and the tone and tenor of it who did you who did you choose and, and why yeah good question so i wanted people who had some professional knowledge of um the, the not just burnout but definitions of various conditions um and also i was very open when i invited the people that i i wanted people who had some personal experience of it now that that's possibly a high risk strategy we'll see see how it goes on on friday but yeah. you know it's it's a boundary that I feel I can um, work within. Uh, and I think this is a subject that if you 
just stick to technical language rather than personal experience, it's not going to deliver on any depth and it's not going to move us forward to the place where you know, basically we want people to uh, be able to recognise within themselves and possibly colleagues what are the subtle things to look for. So, you know, it's it's. I hope it's going to be um, thought-provoking and... Um, yeah, it's potential for being a, a really powerful um, session if handled sensitively, and that's my responsibility. Of course, yeah, high pressure. <laughs> now, one of the things that then I said in the title sequence and, and we've mentioned already is that you've, you've got a few hats you're wearing. Now, fundamentally, um, I don't like that expression in this instance because they're not distinct hats. They might be mm -hmm. slight different feathers in, in the cap, but you kind of you as you as Joe Turner and, and, and you as a representative of, of, of Mehab as well as then a partner of ours, it's such an integrated process now and you've been with us for a few months and know how, how things work. Such a compatibility of values means that you're just then an obvious person to then be involved, not just as a speaker, but then as a, as a moderator. Um, and so one of the things that you've then given, which is definitely more of a speaker focus, but you've been given these social media sort of diary entries and points that you're making uh, for people. And it's definitely in various different circumstances, many of which we're going to be unpacking more in, in future shows and, and the conversation will no doubt go on. But you, what, what made you do it? But also what are the circumstances that surround your day that's coming up and how do you manage those? Mm. Um first part of your question why did I do it because um, I always want to present a real face and um, I think particularly uh, it's not just being a therapist but more particularly going into the world of coaching there's a real danger even if you don't put yourself in this place that other people might put you in the place of being the sorted person um, and that's might be nice and comforting for a little while but it isn't true and it isn't helpful to the potential recipient of that kind of support because it gives the impression that you are aiming for this perfect place where everything is wonderful and you handle every situation with grace and dignity and nothing ever bothers you so i wanted to present that that absolutely isn't the case with me um i the, the things that i've put out in my diary of a therapy live speaker are not things that I've gone through the coaching book and thought, oh, which things should I bring up today? I've literally woken up and gone, right, what what worry is going around my head today? And I guess the most important part of those posts is that I've put the thought and then I've put the reframe. And that's the difference. So you know, in the past, I might have stayed in that ruminating place of just being worried about tech or worrying what people will think about me. And I think the only difference now is that I'll go, okay, name it then what is it that's worrying you let's look it in the eye and let's see what the actual truth of that is and how we can reframe it and i hope by putting those things out a it might help some of the other moderators or people that might be thinking of speaking or coming on podcasts and things in the future um and yeah it helps me it's made me reframe the the little worries that i'm having well that's the thing it's so, it's so authentic and it's really a genuine emergence from your your thoughts you're giving us a peek into into those diary entries i think one of the things that i've reflected on not just from that but obviously from conversations with you and many others that we're working with as we've bolstered the moderating team to try and make sure that the event's less frantic and and also for us wanting to 
reach out to our wider network that we know, trust, love, and we want their work to be brought into this. And you're such a good example of someone that moderating and, and guiding conversation is something you're passionate about when you've got that uh, the coaching element to it that, that so many of our team really value. It mm. just seems that it's such a match made in heaven for you and many others that we've kind of got involved. It does, though, bring with it an extra pressure and then when you are allowing you know emotions to emerge and reframing them there is then also the factor that to some degree some of those extra some of those tasks some of those pressures there is a support that needs to be shared from me and my team mm. to make sure that these things don't overburden and i think that i wanted to just reflect with you on that balancing act is, is a fascinating one and one that we take incredibly seriously. And we don't necessarily always know, you know, we, we definitely don't want to be uh, coddling and compressing and, and scripting and mm. then misshaping important and special characters to us. That's the sort of tenor, we'd lose the tenor of the event. But then similarly, if, if people felt overexposed, undersupported, um, and, and that would be mortified at that as well because you then, not going to get the best out of people but also they're not going to have a good experience uh, that they could otherwise have had and enjoyed that experience so it's such a funny funny balance mm. in this instance i'm not going to invite as to whether or not we've got that right i'm just sort of meaning that is that the tug of war when it comes to things like all the things we're talking about imposter syndrome burnout resilience is is that the trade-off how supportive can the environment be and how resilient do i need to be is that the constant thing yeah i think so and I mean, for what it's worth, the support is pitched really well in that you are, so my biggest worry was tech. And, you know, I, I'm not awful at tech, but I just want to get it right. But I, I want to get it right so that I can do what you actually want from me, which is to, you know, be entertaining and inspiring and challenging. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it would I'd be so upset if I got so bogged down in the tech that I couldn't be what you need us moderators to be on that day, because that's what makes a great experience. Um, and but equally, if you were to mollycoddle us and um, you give us every last instruction, a it would be mind blowing and probably make us even more nervous. Yeah. But but you would probably kill some of the stuff that you are trying to nurture and and, and bring out. So yeah, it, it's totally a, a thin line, isn't it, between um, making sure that people have the, the structure in place, but the freedom to be who they are individually. No, good. Well, and thank you for that because that, that's really reassuring for for me, especially at, at this stage of the of the day. It's important that we're sort of tr at least being seen to attempt to tell that line. I'm glad to hear for you we, we are doing it well. I, I want to just try and make sure that we put the event and its timing into context as well, Joe, if we can. And one of the things that I really wanted to ask you about, we've been fascinated by how last year's therapy live event was in the mid in in the thick of lockdown one towards the tail of it perhaps but just generally speaking a fascinating unique moment in time for the world in such a mm -hmm. way that yeah people were locked in their homes and it meant that then of course we all know every everyone turned up and it crashed our site for 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 a bit in the morning which won't happen again i promise but the world is in a different place now and there is a there is an air of optimism there is though uh, the challenges that that faces whereby people are then feeling like they're obliged to be more productive, feeling like they're obliged to sometimes then be, be wanting to engage socially at 100%, because some people are that way out personality-wise and they're just wanting to 
to to to now that we're legally allowed to let's just be around more people and and it just seems to be then this wave of social obligation that seems to have swept over it and that applies both personally and professionally so people are then thinking well is this is this appropriate for a virtual conference really we should just be biding our time to get together in person and really that that, that moment has come and gone um and so i just wondered what your thoughts are on on yeah the, the timing not just of the event but just where we're up to and how people you were you work with need to be sort of guided through those obligations i spoke about yeah um yeah there is a lot of um pressure isn't there uh I, I don't think the timing of an online conference is wrong i don't you don't think we're there yet where we can really look forward and, and fully imagine being together in big groups and it would also be a shame to lose some of the benefits that have come with online education and to be honest the most common co um, comment I hear is oh, I love it um, because I don't have to pay for a hotel I don't have to travel all the things that have been you know, said lots and lots of times but equally you know I know lots of people can't be there on Friday and they, they can catch up afterwards and that's brilliant yeah um, I don't know if you were getting uh, to this tool jacking in your comment but it just occurred to me when you were talking that um, you know 10 streams of speakers I wanted to say to people, for goodness sake, don't get imposter syndrome being the recipient of all this. Um, you know, that that would be awful. Um, you know, sometimes when you, you sit there, I, I guess this is the, the backup of why I put those posts out there, because I think you tend to watch people and think, oh, gosh, they, they've got this, they've got that, they're all together, they're delivering this work, uh, they're just amazing. I could never be that. Um, and... Yeah, that would be awful to actually be enhancing that imposter syndrome. And I think to get to your point, some, for some reason, this new style of delivery of CPD seems to be more accessible and more real and less. It seems to be moving away from the guru culture, which is absolutely music to my ears. <laughs> yeah, well, we're hoping so. And I think as well, there are people that do. We've tried, especially with our new interface on our own website, therapy-live.co.uk, we've really tried to make sure that it doesn't feel overwhelming. There's a lot going on. You know, don't be shy to, to have a break. You've not got the, you know, some of the, some of the downsides of in-person conferences. You might be there as a group and someone grabs you by the shoulder, let's not miss this session and stuff. And it's just mm -hmm. like, well, no, my head's a bit full. And I know it's not technically a break time. It does sound good, but I know I need to, to maintain my composure. Sometimes you've got that peer pressure uh, yeah. that can come with that, where it's hopefully being behind a screen and, and you can you can schedule some schedule some breaks, schedule some moments for reflection, know that they are available then uh, recorded after the fact, if that's a session you really want to, to do justice to. And also think, I'd encourage you to think on your feet as well, is that you might plan your day and then it starts to become and start to feel overwhelming. You think, I'm not going to get much out of this afternoon. Then have an extended lunch break. Go for a bit of a wander and stuff. You know, don't don't get too sucked into the hashtag, right? We yeah. want it to be, for those that want it, a fully immersive experience where someone might just be like, right, from, from six while six, I'm just in amongst it, right? I'm locked into the matrix, right? And, uh, and, and we love that. And there's an atmosphere that can be really uh, conducive to that being good if you're that way out. But we don't want that to feel like the obligation, like you need to make sure that every minute you're on it. 
and we're we're needing to make sure we say that to our moderator teams as well is that you know you yep. there's just there's something to be said for trying to manage your energy over time um but these are and we hope to be a, a cultural moment again in msk practice which we're really proud of the quality of the material that we're producing uh, and the conversations that we're able to do we've been able to diversify content so the last year's sessions were samey in their format, although, of course, very varied in their content. Whereas, as Joe's just described, her sessions being a keynote and two panels, especially the panels of which she's describing, are very much a, a wide and open discourse amongst really interesting people with really rich lived experience that they bring to that and, and difference. And so um, I'm just so I'm so excited to, to what we can what we can bring together. And it's it's so close now. Um, final question for you, Joe, is are there other sessions? I know you're going to be busy and we hopefully have picked moderating sessions for you outside of your other speaking duties that you, you, you're likely to enjoy. We did that on purpose and also contribute to as a moderator. Were there any other sessions that you've looked at that you're like, that's definitely on my list to visit after the fact? Well, actually, the one you put me on as a moderator is probably one that I'm really interested in, um, how we learn. I watched Ash's little Twitter video and, and um, yeah, that's, that's really, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to make sure I pay attention because I'll be listening closely to what he says. Um, and I guess this, this is going to sound, um, well, I hope it sounds okay, but I, I'm actually um, interested in, in the people on the core skills and the MSKR stream because that's kind of where my head is now. You know. Right. Ten years ago, I'd have been all about the detailed um, uh, knee talks and you know the, the specific uh, skills that I was going to acquire and develop in those people. But these days, for me, it is about what's going on in the profession and and how do we develop our personal core skills. So I probably will be sort of stuck in those two streams. <laughs> sure, no, I can understand that. Yeah, it's career phases and stuff, isn't it? Um, there that makes that makes sense, and I can certainly vouch for. That's a, a stream with the MSKR one that I've been so much more involved in than some of the clinical ones, and it's a, it's a special one. And again, lots of really interesting conversations about some of the hottest topics in the in the mm -hmm. game, as well as. And I think I'm really pleased with this in the MSKR stream is that we are then posing and offering you a chance to be involved in some of the proposed solutions. Right? We did a we've done a lot of analysis. It's mm -hmm. a thing after all we're not going to apologize for that but we've also come up with a few schemes that we think are going to help to correct some of that record and and there's ways in which you can be involved in it um so a couple of big announcements on the show so um i totally agree and i think i, I feel the same way when i think about what sessions it is that i'm going to be at to rush to to listen back to it's going to be those ones that that big picture that big picture stuff that i think we're both really passionate about but thank you so much as ever for your right. involvement thanks for joining me today uh, really appreciate it just remind people once more, where they can find out more about you, especially your website and social media links, if you could. So they can find me at, um, my website is mehab.co.uk and my Twitter handle is mehab underscore Joe and uh, I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit, just under um, Joe Turner. Fantastic. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, good luck. Not that you need it for, for Friday. We'll speak soon. You too. Right. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.